not exactly radio spooky. It's spooky season. It's a Halloween episode. Hey, what's up? It's me, your host, Benny K, and... Oh, Tony, just Tony. Tony, oh, just Tony. Tony. Just Tony. <laughs> oh, Tony, just Tony. Boo, Tony, just Tony. We also brought our good friend of the pod and uh, pretty much third host, Kevin Gesme. Kevin, welcome back to the program. Take thy beak from out my heart oh. and take thy form from off my door. Quoth the raven, nevermore. I love How it. How many this times did you practice it? How many? <laughs> uh, that was a first take. Oh, first take? that's pretty nice. good. That's pretty good. That's, that's pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, so this is, go ahead, what were you going to say? I was just saying that's a professional broadcaster there. Uh, yes, Kevin. Trained yes. to be one. <laughs> so this is our Halloween episode. Much like last year, we have some stories again about certain songs that are very spooky. I found some interesting things. One that I'm not even going to put on the show because it was so disturbing. And I will talk to these guys about it some other time. I'm here excited. we go. I, I was I'm, intrigued. I'll, I'll, I'll use that word. I won't say I was excited to hear about that story. But when you brought it up before, I was like... You know that if, yes. if there's actually a thing about that topic, like, ah, not it's fun. Pretty, not fun to talk it, about, but it's pretty fucked up. Yeah, I know. I was gonna say Tony was giving me okay. So this happened to me last year uh, when I was looking up stories for these for this episode. I was like looking up a bunch of spooky shit, a bunch of sad shit, and I just got like real sad. And I I was I, I like put myself in a funk, and it kind of happened again this year again. Oh no! So like Tony. Tony um, gave me a little shit earlier about listening to Real Big Fish all week. I'm like, dude, I, I need this. I need this right now. Because <laughs> um, I didn't even listen to that much music just because we got an off week where we didn't do anything. Right. And then uh, I was just coming off a uh, hyperfixation. I'll get into some other episode where we're back on our just talking about them up. Oh, well, I just have to let you all know. Huh? Y'all are my Chick Fil A's closed on Sundays. Oh, oh my God! <laughs> fucking Kanye. Um, besides him, but yeah, I've uh, been listening to a lot of murder podcasts. Um, um Doctor Death, which was an interesting one. Then I'm just on to some other. It's average true crime. Got tried guy reading it in a spooky voice and whatever. Ooh. So uh, my my favorite's myself. always. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. And then. Yeah, and then uh, started a book um, this week. Jack Ketchum, who's a important or not an important, but like a popular author. Stephen King okay. puts him as a top tier guy too, but his book has is a scary story. It's kind of like uh, it starts with Stranger Things. It's with children, and it's just the idea of how these children are witnessing hardcore child abuse but it's normalized because it's with a parent they respect so then they think the kid deserves it and it's basically this adult is now writing in recollection of i've never admitted this and so it's just this growing thing through the whole Mm. story so it's heavy like it starts already bad and then it gets worse and worse and it's just their children they don't understand it's fucked up it's normalized that's a. This is a good way starting off a Halloween episode. Let's get real sad real quick, and we're just gonna keep getting sadder. Hopefully, we can lighten the mood a little bit. We will. It'll be fine. It'll be just 
fine. It's fine. We're fine. So do you, <laughs> so do y'all want to get into it right away? We yeah, let's do this. Right away. Okay, let's do it. First song up to bat. This is gonna be one starting off a little easy. This is literally called One by Metallica. Now, the song originally uh, for the amount of albums they have that are good. Ooh, no, no. Ooh. Damn. Ooh. I, I, there's not even Metallica heads here I, I actually, right now, like, but and I'm not a Metallica head, but they have a I would disagree more. with that. They've yeah, got they have a couple more. They have a good actually catalog, but just I've some I've, real shit. <laughs> <laughs> I've grown to I've grown to respect them a lot. Like I used to not like them when I was younger. Because I was like, ah, they're so overplayed, and everyone loves them, blah, blah, blah. But now it's like, okay, I can see what's going on. It also doesn't help that James Hetfield's voice is very imitatable. Mm. Oh, for sure. For it's sure. really easy to make fun of Absolutely. I agree with that. Um, so, the song one, it's actually an anti-war song. And I'm like, fuck yeah, fuck war. This is great. It's based off the book slash movie Johnny Got His Gun. The book was released in 1939, the movie was released in 1971, and this song came out in 1989. Now, the song slash book slash movie is about a soldier fighting in World War I that steps on a mortar, loses all his arms and legs, along with a sense of smell, taste, sight, and hearing. The soldier somehow survives. He is laying in the hospital, unable to communicate anything doesn't know what is real just a, or just a dream and reflecting on things that his father told him when he was younger. The soldier falls into madness because he is basically a prisoner inside of his own body and eventually a general and other soldiers gather around him and realize that his spasms are actually Morse code. With his head hitting his pillow, he communicates, SOS, kill me. Now, it's chilling because Metallica takes scenes from the movie and puts it in their music video. There is a music video of just their song uh, it's like a five minutes because the, the song is already <laughs> fucking long as it is. But then when they add scenes to it, it becomes like an eight-minute song. Um, and it's totally worth it if you want the chills. It's very unsettling to witness what happens in war. Metallica did a fantastic job telling the story. And I could barely get through the song without feeling dread. And I can't even imagine watching this entire movie. Uh, and uh, what's, what's even scarier about the song and the music video, actually, is... Uh, the ending of the video is shot of a dark room with the soldier just want waiting to die while there is a group of soldiers singing and declaring victory in a different room and you can just hear that in the background and that's the end of the music video. It's super sad and it's just super frightening. Uh, I can't imagine watching the movie because I have. Ah. Uh, it's, it's an excellent film. Uh, yeah. I believe... Uh, the writer of the script was one of the folks who ended up getting blacklisted from Hollywood uh, during the uh, McCarthy uh, communists uh, witch hunt. Okay. Uh, and fun fact, Donald Sutherland uh, plays Jesus. Or he plays a <laughs> carpenter in okay. the film. But oh. he is obviously okay. an allegory for the... Uh, and some of the uh, uh, soldiers' dream states, uh, his conversation of, with Jesus of like, well, what am I supposed to be doing now that I have no legs, no arms, can't see, can't smell, can't talk to anybody? Right. Uh, it's a great, was, great fucking movie. Okay, cool. I was say, is it is it is it just as dreadful as like the song kind of makes yes. it out to be? Yes. Okay. Uh, 
In fact, the uh, DVD came with the music video one as one of the special features oh, that you could end nice. up watching. That's cool. And also, um, to lighten up a little bit about the song, uh, Metallica played one at the Music Award. Uh, at the, I don't know, one of the music award programs was like the big one, the Grammys. Duh. I was going to say, um, Grammys or MTV I Music Video Awards? Because those <laughs> I, are two I, completely different things, I think. I fucked it up. It's the Grammys. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's the Grammys. They played this song uh, while they, like, it was like the first time that uh, the Grammys recognized heavy metal. Mm. And they played the song and they were like, going to get best live performance. But then Metallica lost to Jethro Tull, which is nothing close to heavy metal whatsoever. So Metallica lost a heavy metal award to Jethro Tull. I and just it's not to put even that like there. the Jethro Tull that you know. It's like their later shit too. So it's like and something it, that you've never heard before. And even then, it's still not heavy metal. <laughs> get the fuck out of here with that. Even even as like a person that's not really a big Metallica fan, I was just like, I am pissed about this. The fuck is this? Um, go ahead. Uh, I mean, also we can keep it light as well. This one's like an easy dunk because it can be like it's it's an office reference, but it's like also Michael conceives of a movie at one point. Mm-hmm. Goes, he was born with no arms or legs. Um, <laughs> finish the quote. <laughs> Uh, thank you, thank you. Jess. Basically, it was like it's, it's the Johnny get your gun, and then it was just dot dot dot. This is how we led a nation. Oh. It's just the, <laughs> yeah. Just as, so it, it's basically it's just Michael thinks of that, but what if they were president? <laughs> crazy, crazy. Um, yeah, that that was uh, the first song on our list there. Any final topics or any final words to one Metallica before we move on to the next song? Uh, uh, very good. was on the uh, Guitar Hero 3, I think? Was, yeah, because yeah. it has the longest shit intro with the. Right. Just, where you're just holding chords. Like, mm-hmm. great guitar song, no doubt, but like. One for. It's just chords. <laughs> one, one for a video game. Uh, Dealing with the topics, dealing with how long the song is, like, yeah, that shocked me when I saw that that was the one, no pun intended, uh, <laughs> that got included in that game. Yeah. <laughs> That's fun. Guitar Hero, got a lot of good music on it. All right. <clears throat> Next song, um, another spooky one there. Uh, Kevin, you love Pearl Jam, right? I sure do. Can you tell me... What the fuck is going on with Hey Foxy Mop Handle Mama, that's me. What in the shit? Jack Irons and Eddie Vedder are weird dudes. Right. And this this was um this was actually Jack Irons like uh introduction to Pearl Jam, right? Yes. Uh well yes. It, he it was the first song that he played on and also was like the first song that he uh, brought like an idea to the band too. Yeah. Uh, Jack um, Irons, formerly of the Redhead Chili Peppers, back when yes. they were a actual funk band and not just an alternative rock band that had funk elements. Fair enough. 
Um, but yeah, uh, this is like the first song that he did uh, going into Pearl Jam. Um, and it's just very unsettling because you hear random lines uh, from mental patients over the music. And it's actually like the lines actually take away from the music that's being played. Because if you listen to the, just the music, it's actually pretty awesome. But uh, but then you hear these lines and it's super unsettling because it's just it's a conversation. Um, uh, it's it starts with a girl comparing spanking to lo- spankings to love, saying it's the only thing I want so much. The girl says she would rather be spanked and hugged. She says I want it. I dream about it. I think about it. I want it. Then she goes on like random outburst of like how people are stupid. Like saying, like, see, they're stupid, well, very stupid. I'm pretty what? sure it's her talking about other mental patients. Oh, because okay. uh, the working theory is, is that the clips are from an interview uh, that was part of the PBS program Nova. Uh, okay. The thing is, is nobody can find whatever this episode was apparently uh, right in the archives. So. Hmm. We're not absolutely sure where it came from, and I guess Eddie lost the uh, recordings that he had. Uh, that's so. So it's just kind of out here as like the last recording of, or the last like evidence of this conversation happening. Right, right, right. That's it's just it's just so spooky. I guess maybe it's just the way they probably you know finagle it away to make it sound like a certain thing or or, or something like that, but. Uh, it's just like the sporadic thoughts is what makes it the most unsettling and also like questions like I think I deserve to be loved don't you it like it doesn't make it any better and those lines just like repeat over and over again and the her going off on uh, both the other patients and then also crossing over with her talking about why they call her Mop Handle because she's like the one who helps cleans up and then yeah. going on to how like the mop's just stupid like it, it it's such an interwoven thing of just emotions that both make you feel terrified and then also depressed and then also like empathetic towards this entire situation and it's well, the, yeah, absolutely. Like, I think it's like seven, eight-minute song. It's a lot yeah. to work, lot, lot of uh, material to work with. It, it, and um, I remember Eddie Vedder actually said, like, he taped it from that TV special that you mentioned before, and he said, like, the base behind that was the base behind that program was that uh, it was people who had mental problems who were being let out of hospitals early because the states were taking away fundings from mental hospitals. Um, so Eddie went on to say, like, so they were setting these folks out without necessary care, but it's still very intriguing, uh, the way their mind worked and, uh, what they would say. Um, he also went on to say, like, we experimented and tried to incorporate it with, uh, what to date is our most emotional and moving song. I think it's fucking freaky as shit, Eddie. Come on, what the fuck? It's, it's... (laughs) I mean, I mean, that's a big thing... For Pearl Jam to say, as much as we clown them too, um, they bear it on a lot of songs. One hundred percent. So to like make sure to like in- 
include that. that, 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 that that's a big deal. Yeah. I, I but I think the thing that makes it the scariest part is like I know um the interviewer asks us in like sort of like the ending of the song, but then at the way ending, you get to hear the question over again because they like to repeat those fucking lyrics because they're freaky as shit and it wouldn't be Halloween without some freaky scary shit. So the interviewer said, uh, asked the girl, do you think uh, you would actually kill yourself? And she replied with, I've thought about it real, uh, real deep. And yes, I believe I would. And that's the end of the song. And I'm like, what the, what the shit? Pearl Jam, you yeah, fucking... It definitely doesn't get answered earlier when the question gets asked, and then, like, for that to be the last thing is, like, God fucking damn it. Right! Fucking... What are you doing? Pearl Jam. Get spooky as shit up in here. And then that's the last song on the record. Uh, I know. That's, that's literally the last thing that you get to hear for an entire album. And it's just like, some... oh, well, fuck myself. Hmm. Hmm, yes. Well... It reminds me of uh, Alkaline Trio has a track called Sadie where they use uh, Manson disciple interview footage and they think the first person was Sadie. And it's kind of like that too. Okay. Where it's just. Basically, it was like she was just saying, like, well, if you believe somebody was God, you'd do anything for God. Basically, yeah, yeah, you can kill for God. So, no. It's the same uh, thing where they use uh, footage from, you know, that was their interrogation footage, and they splice it into the song, because that's right up their alley. Yeah. God. <laughs> Terrifying. Of course, that's right. I mean, I get that. Uncle Trio talking about death. No way. <laughs> All right. Um, Kevin, I believe you had a song. Uh, I do. Share with the class. Uh, the classic, classic Tubular Bells, Bells by Mike Oldfield. Oldfield. Uh, okay. Y'all had your, uh, Wait, last, last week. Or, did, is that what I heard? Tubular bells? Tubu- tubular bells, yes. Yeah, tubular, dude. Uh, it was a <laughs> track recorded between November 1972 and April 1973, although he had been working on demos as far back as middle of 1971. Uh what were you, you doing in 73? My parents were 13. Wow! So how old were you? <laughs> I, I wasn't even a gleam in my father's eye. Yeah, I think my dad was like, hold on, he's older. He was 25. My mom was... Mom was 17. Oh my god. Anyways, continue. Dad was Mexican. (laughs) Okay, very good. That's that's all I know for sure. Anyways. (laughs) So after failing to garner interest with record labels, EMI, CBS, and others, uh, he took up the offer from one Richard Branson, who had purchased Manor Studios, where he recorded the demos previously. the song Tubular Bells and the album Tubular Bells would go on to be the first release on Virgin Records. Uh, as you know, now, now that is like this giant thing of the entire Virgin name. Uh, it was listed as V2001. Hey, it was called Virgin Records until it meant me. 
Hey. When it was when it was released, you know, it it had a little bit of a following, had a good critical reception. Uh, but its most important promotion came from an unexpected source when the introduction to part one of the record was chosen to be featured in the film The Exorcist. Okay. Uh, last week, y'all had your movie uh, horror film scores thing, and I was actually surprised that this one didn't make the cut. Uh, oh. Because I gotta rewatch it. Right. It's and it's awesome. only and it's only a brief portion of it. It's the very beginning of the track, but it is defining for both the song and the film. Uh, it would go on to be used in clips later. Uh, he, Mike Oldfield, often returns to this track. Uh, the very is interesting. It the, the piano one, yeah. Uh, it is literally bells that's being played. Oh, those are bells. Uh, so yes. Uh, okay. But like, it also kind of reminds me a little bit of the Halloween uh, score yeah. that Carpenter yeah. does. That's that very like uh, uh, tingling situation that, and it's not even like happening during that scary part of a film during The Exorcist, but mm-hmm. like it's such a tone setter that oh, it's, for sure. it's so perfect for the film. Uh, Oldfield has stated that he didn't want to see the film because he believed he would find it too frightening. <laughs> well, he's correct. Uh, it's so scary. According to British film critic Mark Kermode, uh, the decision to include the music in the film was a result of pure chance. Uh, the director, William Friedkin, had decided to scrap the original score at the time uh, and was looking for music to replace it. He was visiting the offices of Atlantic Records, which is the distribution arm uh, for Tubular Bells in the United States. And he picked up a white label of the album and listened to it, and the rest was history. Mm. Uh, So that's the spooky part of it. The even more interesting part of it is that uh, this is one of those artists who... He hears the song in his head. Uh, So, like, he's been trying to perfectly recreate what he hears in his head. Uh, So there are four different versions of Tubular Bells uh, that kind of coincide with developments in music recording. Uh, There's Tubular Bells, which was released in 73. Tubular Bells 2, which was released in 92. Tubular Bells 3, which was released in 98. And the Millennium Bell, which was released in 99. Oh. Uh, he also oh, then more to. has a whole bunch of uh, well, it's a like forty-minute song is the thing. Never mind. And that's like the <laughs> album. Uh, it has a part one and a part two, and it's when you turn the vinyl disc over. God. Okay. Uh, but I guess apparently he's also returned to it a couple times in a few of his other albums that you just hear motifs that were established in Tubular Bells. And then, of course, what's more terrifying than a billionaire, as Richard Branson stated in 2013, I never thought that Tubular Bells was going to play such an important part in our lives. Virgin going into space most likely wouldn't have existed had we not hired this particular instrument. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) So he basically accredits the entire success for uh, the entire label and company on this one song and this one song can basically attribute its entire popularity to the fact that it was included 
in the film The Exorcist. Oh, Jesus Christ. That's good. That is a good history lesson. That is a very good history lesson. All right, well, shit. That was cool. I'm glad you brought that. I'm glad you brought that up because, like, I'm sorry we missed it last week. Now that I was like thinking about the song, I was like, oh shit, we should have talked about that. Talked about that last week because, fucking yeah, whatever Tony said, yeah, fucking a. Um, Come on, how do, how can you not hear that word and not think of like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles here, real quick? I I didn't. <laughs> Too oh tubular. <laughs> It's like tell party on. Wait, it might also get mentioned in Wayne's World. So if that's where your brain went instead of teenage that's, turtles, I did go to. I did. I, I was about to say party on Wayne. Party Excellent. on Garth. Woo woo woo. Okay, so uh, what I want to do now: take a little step back from the songs. Talk about some. Ugh, let me try that again. Take a step back from the songs. We're doing it live. Uh, and talk about some musician deaths that happened. It just had some weird coincidences. I have three. Three musicians right here. Uh, now, these are just some weird coincidences that happened right before the artist died. But the strangest things are in the lyrics. Check this out. John Denver. He passed away in 1996. Does anybody know why? Don't say it out loud, but just say yes or no. Mm-hmm. I think I do. Okay. Tony knows. Mm-hmm. Um so in 1969, Denver released Babe, I Hate to Go. You know what song it is, even though you don't remember it by the title. It was made famous by the trio Pete, Paul, and Mary in 1976. I'm sorry, 67. Uh, and it was titled Leaving on a Jet Plane. Mm. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, leaving on a jet plane. You can hear it underneath, because I'm playing it right now. Um, the song talks about saying goodbye to a loved one right before getting on a plane, and the singer says numerous amounts of times in the song that they don't know when they're going to be back again. Well, if you haven't figured it out, John Denver died when he was taking his plane out for a spin and the engine failed. He was the only one on the plane when it crashed into the Pacific Ocean. Ooh, spooky shit. Oh, John Denver. Anyways, uh, the next one. <laughs> Any questions about John Denver? No, other than uh, I almost, like, I, I like I knew that it was an airplane accident, but, like, part of my brain also made it that he crashed in the Rocky Mountains, and that Rocky Mountain High would also then be attached <laughs> That would have been to... cool, too. Yeah. That would have been... That would have been... That been a lot. That would have been two would songs start, of John Denver. That would start a whole bunch of conspiracies there real quick. People would be like, all right, John Denver be talking about shit. What else is John Denver talking about? <laughs> He was John Denver for uh, elementary school. school. The week, the week. No shit. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. Um. I had no well, idea who it was, and they were just like the school was super like bummed. Like everybody was like, "Sorry, the John Denver had a you know he's gonna make our little concert that we're having at the school." And we're like, "Wait, shit, we have <laughs> oh." Is he we sick? Because <laughs> I was like second or third grade. I was like, oh, wow, we had an assembly on Friday. It's going to be John. to like play for, I, I, it sounded like it was a field trip planned or something. So okay. it wasn't just us, but it was probably like a hall of whatever part of that. John Denver huh. was supposed to play for me, okay, is what I'm getting at. Well, obviously, this is kind of a sore subject for Tony. I'm very sorry I brought it up. Uh, moving on, Mac Miller. Uh, the last music video that he ever shot was called Self, Self-Care. Self The weird thing about it is, in the video, Miller is lying in a casket, 
During the scene in the casket, Miller carves the Latin phrase "momento more" in the casket on the top of the casket there, which even more weirdly translates to "remember that you have to die." The whole video depicts hit, uh, hitting rock bottom, recovering, and relapsing. The song itself talks about the downward spiral of drug abuse, and Miller was not shy with his trouble with drugs. The song dropped uh, in July of 2018, and Miller passed away two months later from an accidental overdose. That's some heavy shit. I know, I know. And I also the ca- I caught the song "Self Care" for the first time, and I was like, "This is a pretty badass song," but now it's like super sad. Yeah, Mac was uh, probably the best. At least, like, who hit big on white guy rappers because he's not retrospectively embarrassing like I'm him. Um, <laughs> like, you know, I almost brought up an Eminem song, but I was like, Tony's gonna give me so much shit, so I'm just gonna skip it. It would have been the next half hour of just clowning you. <laughs> and then, uh, one of my favorite tracks from this year, but it wasn't an out like, uh, also, also announcement, announcement um, and also and to also Kevin, Kevin too, too is, is just because we, we won't have, have time to do our, our whole best, best of, of you, know, you know feature, feature everything we're gonna, we're gonna do like, like we'll, we'll make playlists, make playlists of, of shit that we really vibe really with, with this year. year. Yeah, but it was it was just a single, but he released a song posthumously called "That's Life" with Sia and another other eighties or something like that. Like that. Okay, and then his his. Versus, it's not even like they made a song called That's Life around it. Like, his verses are very much about, like, you know, dealing with the ups and downs of life. And so, it's a very nice song, but it's also, you listen to it and you think about it's a guy that died at however years young and sum it up life already. And it's. It, it, it's, it's very, very tragic, tragic because, because he ended, ended up summing, summing up his life. life. That's, yeah, that, just, that makes it more, makes it more chilly, but also <laughs> like, that's insane. Yeah. Um, my last musician that passed away, Peter Steele. Is anyone here uh, familiar with Peter Steele? I mean, Typo the negative? Name. Typo I negative? I am. Typo negative? Oh. oh. Maybe no. I'll give it to Peter North. Dick. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Peter Steele, he was in this band called Typo Negative. If you haven't heard them, they're a hell of a band. They're super fucking sad. Uh, I don't know. What, they're like a really sad gothic band that almost makes fun of itself, but it's like super like sad. Yeah, I know, um, I know they were with the, like, yeah, they're definitely with, uh, you know, you know those, those goth chicks that always like, like they're, they're, they're very, very good looking, but also like incredibly like intimidating. Like you know, tried to get engaged, like they're just like, okay, wow, like it's yeah. like just seeing like a exotic zoo bird or something. Like damn, I am scared though. Right, they're facing me down. That's the type of goth chicks that listen to the type of negative. Yeah, I can. I agree with that. Uh, it's also kind of fucked up because uh, typo negative. Uh, when they signed with Roadrunner Records, Steele actually used a combination of his own blood and semen to sign his contract. Uh, and a okay, lot of those songs. Well, <laughs> I'm off. Wow. <laughs> that happened. Whatever, guys. That's Fuck you. Yeah, I take that. I take that. Nah, nah. Anyways, those, those girls are just weirdos. <laughs> 
Um, a lot of their songs range from topics like religion, self-pity, romance, hate, but nothing was more common than the topic, death. Uh, the keyboard player, John Silver, even faked Steele's death uh, in 2005 by putting a tombstone with his name on it on the band website. Steele was on probation at the time, uh, so soon after the image was posted, the cops came to make sure he was alive, and then he was dragged to court to be asked by a judge. The judge, who was a fan of the band, also asked if he was okay. <laughs> I know, it was fucking... Man, this judge... What was the I think it was dealing with drugs. He had a hard time with drugs. I think. I don't quite... Oh, wait, no, you know what? I think I remember him saying he said he punched somebody so many times in the face that he went to jail. That was it. Um, it was kind of a weird... Okay, so I also saw this clip of him going on Jerry Springer. It was very interesting. Oh, God. Oh, no shit. You have, to, you have to look at it. Anyways, it's, it's kind of weird. So, Steel, he was also a giant dude. He stood up uh, six, uh, six feet, eight inches. And I firmly believe that his size was the cause of his heart failure, much like that of Andre the Giant. Um, it also doesn't help that he abused the shit out of drugs and alcohol, as I mentioned before. Uh, what's weird about his death is that, that he may have accidentally wrote about it seven years before his actual death. The song, I Don't Want to Be Me, uh, came out in 2003, and the line that was written that made his death even more spooky was, two steps forward, three steps back, without warning, heart attack. And that's when, you know, he, he died of a heart attack just no, out of nowhere. Was, was he like, doing a two-step there? Or? Yeah, I was going to say. Yes. He was he was doing some tricks. He was doing some parkour on the he, sidewalk. He was, he and had was a heart doing attack. the electric slide, and you know that's two <laughs> steps forward, three steps back, and Oogie over. Oh, I shouldn't um, be making fun of a guy who died of a heart attack. Yeah, I was like, come on, Kevin, you insensitive <laughs> prick. Semen. <laughs> Semen. But the 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 music video is actually uh, pretty good. For what? Yes. God, turn... Jesus Christ. Anyways, uh, the music video is actually pretty good. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember Dan Fogler. I don't know if that's how I say his name, but he starred in the video. Dan Fogler was the star of Balls of Fury. Oh, sure. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> Shut up, Tony. That's, that's a hell of a poll. I know. I'm not going to lie. But, like, I couldn't... I didn't know anything else he was in. I just if, if I remember you said anything him. else from his filmography. I guarantee you, I wouldn't know it. You didn't know. You don't. You shut up. You know, just shut up about it. He was in this music video and it was good. Well, oh, that'll, fine, that'll just have to that be one of our uh, go look it up segments. Yeah, fine. Go as, look as it up. As you're, Anyways, as you're listening, go, go look it up. Anyways, uh, honorable mention for uh, musician death, Jackie Wilson. Uh, this dude had 50 hit singles. He was performing his famous Lonely Tr Teardrops uh, in 1975 when he had a heart attack while he was singing the lyrics, My Heart is Crying. He never recovered. Oh. What a twist. What? <laughs> yeah. What'd you just hit us with? What? I just, it was a quick one. It's an honorable mention. I don't want to go that far. <laughs> so, okay. Jackie Wilson, only, he wrote the song. The one that has, like, all of the things working for it is, like... My heart is crying. Oh no! Now I have died of a heart attack. <laughs> okay. Well, no. He 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 lasted for a while. I didn't want to go into this. Jesus Christ! So he had the heart attack, and then he was in a coma for like oh, so two this months. Was like years later, that he died from complications. No, from it was like attack. two months. Oh, okay. 
And he was a vegetable the whole time. Like, he had this oh. heart attack, he was in a coma, <laughs> then he was a vegetable, and then he died. Oh, poor guy. <sighs> Anyways, look at the song Lonely Teardrops, and you know exactly what song it is. And then he, when he says, my heart is crying, that's when he fucking has the heart attack. God, fuck you guys. Is there anything like the Taylor Swift song, Teardrops, on my guitar? No. <laughs> God damn it. I'm moving on to the next song. Fuck you guys. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right. So how many of us here played Pokemon when we were younger? Uh, uh, I know I did. Uh, 100%. Uh, are we waiting for everybody to answer? answer just, me. just me. Just you. Just you. <laughs> okay. okay I played I played it. It. All right. Very cool. <laughs> so is this more Lavender Town? <laughs> hey, shut up. I'm about to talk about it. Anyways, nothing. <laughs> That's scary about your childhood, right? Just kidding. It's totally terrifying. Remember when you're getting to Lavender Town? When I, f- I remember getting to Lavender Town when I first played Pokemon as a wee child. My first game was Pokemon Yellow, by the way. Uh, and as soon as the music started, I was so scared. I started crying and I shut off the game. Wow. Wow. I know. I, I like Wait, Pikachu so I was a lot. Blue. Were you blue, Tony? Uh, blue, blue. Yeah. My brother Libra was boys. Libra. 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 Anyways, wow, fuck you guys. But I was also, yelling, fuck Lavender you. Lavender Town is scary, but at the same time. It's very spooky. <laughs> yeah, no, I did. I was like, fuck, we were like, we were like nine. Eight or nine. <laughs> okay, but also, like, <laughs> the show, by the time I got to the point of having the game, the show had already done the Lavender Town sequence, so, like, I knew all of the ghost Pokemon and stuff going on there so i was more hyped to like actually do all the things i saw on the show rather than being spooked well, see, out by the song that's it though i did the same thing because i was like oh yeah i love haunter let's fucking go and then i got to lavender town and i'm like this is scary as shit i don't want to play anymore <laughs> i played it i finished it i realized that i could turn down this i could turn down the sound it's fine Okay. Anyways, Pokemon, Pokemon die. die. Like, come on, come on. What the fuck? Uh, that, that fucked me up a little bit. And then you're, and then like, you're like, wait, wait, so does, does that mean, mean like, Ghastly was like a dead Pikachu? Like, and then you're contemplating all this shit. What the fuck's a Gengar then? I just thought about, like. So, like, let's say you have, like, a badass Charizard and then it, like, dies and it's like, Charizard has evolved into Ghastly. How is that not a thing? Like, when your Pokemon faint, uh, like, if it happens over numerous times over the game, like, you only get five faints, and after the fifth time it's fainted, it's Charizard like, you beat your child way too many times, so it's much like, Much it's like the NFL. My life was not, not fulfilled. fulfilled. I, feel <laughs> like, I wish I had lasted until... Your Much blood, like my blood is on your hands. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> Much well, like the NFL, the, like, uh, modern ghost Pokemon, Pokemon now did not like give a shit about that their backstory. Uh, Pokemon. <laughs> Much, Much like, like the, the NFL, NFL. <laughs> many Pokemon. <laughs> oh no! Anyways, however you fix it. In post. Anyways, according to a creepypasta story in 2010, the music of Lavender Town apparently led to the suicide of about 200 Japanese children in the spring of 1996. I don't think this is real, but we're going to go with it. I was going to say, you know what creepypastas are, right? Other children suffered nosebleeds, headaches. No, 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 you can't can't keep going. 
I'm you know gonna. What creepy pastas are right. Not what? Period. Yeah. No, they're they're just 100% like campfire tales that are told on the internet. That's fine. We're telling them right now in this fucking show. I, I know it's spooky, but I just need I need you to know that this isn't like even I a know that true thing. <laughs> I know. God damn. <laughs> if Kevin you tried to do a bit, maybe clue us in beforehand. You know what? You ruined the bit. Anyways. To be <laughs> Anyways. Kevin's carelessness does not care about these 200 <laughs> Japanese children that committed suicide in the spring of 1996. Other children suffered from nosebleeds, headaches, and, or became irrationally angry or emotional, like I am right now, and I want to kill Kevin. I mean, according I did to this urban legend, high pitch. It did, it did get it. It did touch, on the floor touch my heart they watched one anime. Like this is just people watch Pokemon over there. Just. <laughs> Doing a bird box for themselves. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Jesus. According to this urban legend, high-pitched binary beats harmed the brains of children in a ways adults were immune to. This fabricated the illness this fabricated illness was dubbed Lavender Town Syndrome. And the original story went viral after being spread on general interest websites such as 4chan. Uh, there you go. And uh, various people um have added details to make the story more convincing over time, uh, such as photoshopping images of ghosts into the spectrogram outs- outputs of the Lavender Town music. Anyways, Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> so I'm thoroughly spooked. What? You said it. Immune to. Immune to. Immune to. Immune to. Immune to. Immune to. It's real. So... Whenever you try to find Cubone's mother, spoiler alert, that's what you do in Lavender Town, maybe make sure that your the volume is turned down because, like, what if the syndrome only follows the adults that played the shit out of it when we were younger? Maybe don't pass this game down to your kids. Thankfully, Nintendo is always recreating the game, and there has to be at least a million Pokemon by now. Do you know the controversy for the new ones coming? No, I don't, actually. <sighs> All I know is there's an adorable uh, well, sheep that I want to have. There's rivers of shit being pissed and shit online, but basically gamers are mad. They whoop whoop new flashing breaking news. But basically they want all generations in this new one. Meaning 800 Pokemon that you need to create individual animations and you know builds for. And because they're fucking just growing the hugest bit that they're that the developers are basically not the new region and like maybe some favorites I would assume. I don't even know how many, but they're basically like just deal with it, okay? Yeah, I was like fucking. Why would we want to? As Pikachu shows up, you can have 150 brand new spanking Pokemon. Yeah. It's fucking Pokemon, but yeah, Jesus they Christ. all 800, they want them all represented, because they're not, you know, because the cool thing is, they have no idea how to create any of this shit, they're just consumers. And you think at this point, now that it's been years and years of, like, this same similar type of controversy coming up, that they would have an idea, but... They're just they're consumers. Just consumers. They, they just, just consume, consume and they don't under, <laughs> understand any of the shit. shit. Anyways. Oh, gamers. Okay, we're going to go on to the last song here that I have. Probably the saddest song. That's why I saved it for last. Uh, it is called Gloomy Sunday. 
You guys know what I'm talking about when I say that song? Nope. Nope. No. All right, cool. Here we go. So, Gloomy Sunday is also known as the Hungarian suicide song and has been linked to almost 100 suicides in Hungar- uh, Hungary. The composer, Rezno Sirez, was having a hard time making it in the music business. His girlfriend at the time even tried to convince him to quit music and offered up real jobs. But it came to no avail as Cirrus, uh, uh, Cirrez uh, wouldn't give up. Things were looking bleak and little did he know it was about to get even more bleak. One Sunday in 1932, Cerez sat down by a piano, looked out the window, and saw dark clouds rolling in. This is very dramatic, by the way. Uh, he played his piano, and all of a sudden, the notes started coming together. As fitting as it was, rain started pouring from the sky, and wind was howling through his window as well. His song was almost complete. Then he looked out the window and said to himself, What a gloomy Sunday. Bam! That was the name of his fucking song, Gloomy Sunday. He finally wrote something worthwhile. He sent it to a publisher... And he received it back with notes saying the song was very good, but way too sad to publish. So they didn't do it. But he still did not give up. He sent it to other publishers, and they gave it the green light in 1933. But the lyrics were kind of meh, you know? Luckily for Cerez, he was visited by the freshly broken-hearted Laszlo Javier. I don't know how to say these fucking names. Um, Javier's fiance broke up with him when he... Ex- when- <laughs> And he was extremely saddened by this, so why not write your feelings on paper? He had written the lyrics for Cirez's song, and it went together like peanut butter and jelly. The song was then recorded in Hungary in 1935, and shortly after its release, things started getting crazy. I'm going to pause for a second before I get in the meat and potatoes. First initial thoughts. Well, I'm intrigued to learn how to actually pronounce all these people's names, seeing as... <laughs> well, if you have to fucking... <laughs> Uh, Kevin. First initial thoughts. This, uh, it seems like it was a uh, almost kind of divine intervention for all of this kind of coming together. Whether right. the divine is from above or below is to be learned here, I guess, in the next couple of minutes. Hungry. I'm hungry for the next part. <laughs> I'm also just starving in general. Uh, drinking right, well, vodka screwdrivers on an empty stomach. Probably not oh, the best Christ. idea, but... I'm sorry that you're hungry, Kevin. We're going to move on. Anyways, so so apparently Hungarians are known for their high suicide rate. Number one in the world. Good job, Hungary. Uh, I did not know that. That, that At at the time, I should say. What? I feel like that should have been pertinent information before we went into the first break there. But Shut your fucking mouth. Anyways, it was noted that several months after the song was released, at least 17 suicides were reported that had been tied to Gloomy Sunday. The situation became so severe that uh, Hungarian authorities banned the song from being performed. The song's suicide number reached to 100 before the ban happened. And one of the suicides includes Javier's ex-fiance. Now, um, the way they were tied, the suicides were tied to this song is that you would have a lot of people have note sheets for this song, like with them uh, when they died, or they would write notes with lyrics to this song. Uh, Write suicide notes for the lyrics of this song. Um, another interesting one, a bar in Berlin had a patron request the song, he danced to it, and then immediately after it was done, he went out in the front and shot himself in the head. But don't you worry, that curse made its way all the way over to America. (laughs) That's what happened. Uh, don't you worry, the curse made its way all the way over to America as well. In 1936, 
It was translated by Sam Lewis and recorded by Hal Kemp, Hal Kemp and his orchestra while Bob Allen was on the microphone for that one. The absolute banger of a song took lives. <laughs> a week... Sorry, well, a week after its publication, a New York shop owner was found hanging in her store. The music sheet of the song, music sheet of the song was found at the scene. Two days later, a secretary for a big agency, also in New York, gassed herself in her own apartment with a suicide note that requested that Gloomy Sunday be played at her funeral. A couple more incidents happened in New York, including people jumping off of skyscrapers. Now, the fun didn't end in Europe. Uh, since it was translated in English, a lot of the English uh, um, countries uh, also got the curse as well. A bunch of suicides were being reported in London. Most of the victims were women. Uh, one victim had the song blaring all day in her apartment. Neighbors were starting to get pretty annoyed, so they knocked on the door. There was no answer. They started banging on the door. Still nothing. Eventually, the landlord took the door off to discover the body of the tenant hanging from the ceiling. Whew. The number of suicides uh, tied to the song reached up to 200 with the English-speaking countries started um, with the... Eng- what the fuck? Did I write this wrong? Yeah, I did. With the uh, English-speaking countries. So, like, 200 plus 100 from Hung- uh, Hungary. Uh, a lot of suicides tied to the song. The start of World War II kind of quieted down quieted down the reports of suicide, but it came back briefly when Billie Holiday decided to record the song in 1941. Now, the whole icing on the cake of this song, the original writer of Gloomy Sunday, Resno Cerez, killed himself when he jumped out of a window from his house in Budapest in 1968. He died instantly. And that is the curse of Gloomy Sunday. All right, I have one question for you. Sure, yes. Is this another one of your creepypastas that you just did a really good it job? It is not. Because <laughs> this fucking hate sounds you. just almost too extraordinary to be like an actual real thing. Well, you got to think about it this way. Because it's if, like if, if, if it's a real song, we were just playing it for our audience here as you were reading all that, right? I was debating on not playing it for this one. Because in that case, like, hey, thanks for listening. Uh, this has been Not Exactly Radio. Uh, we don't have an audience anymore. <laughs> I'll be honest. I listened to both songs twice. I listened to the English version and the Hungarian version. I love creepypasta. <laughs> this isn't creepy pasta. Pasta is in the words, sir. I would like my bowl. All right. (laughs) Oh, my God. Anyways, that's Gloomy Sunday. I have to give it a listen. Are they on Spotify? Well, I I found it on YouTube. You could probably get it on Spotify. Billie Holiday's version is probably on there. Yeah, that that was the uh, clue for me, like... Maybe that this was a uh, creepypasta being like, we'll we'll throw in like a major artist from here that people recognize in the past. Really? That like, who is the original yeah. uh, writer? Trent Reznor? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's Rezo Cerez. Okay, so Nine Inch Nails are the song? Basically. Absolutely. <laughs> but, uh, but no, this actually, this is all... Legit stuff. This one is not a creepy pasta. Fuck you, Kevin. That's wild. No, I'm just saying. It, it and sounds, Tony, fuck you, Tony. It sounds too weird to be true. No, that's what I'm saying. But you have to think. Okay, like I was going to bring this up earlier. You have to think about the time that there was set in there. Early 1930s, depression. A lot of things were happening. People killing themselves anyway, and then they just hear this 
awfully depressing song. It's like, well, yeah. might as well. It, I was going to say, like, it probably didn't help. Like, I know, like, people were killing themselves anyway. And it just, they found, like, kind of a scapegoat, I guess? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll look up right away if this, uh, not Trent Reznor fellow killed himself. Yeah, he did, though. According to Ben, he did. Yeah, he did. It is murder! No, no. Sir, sir. Damn, it, damn it, damn it. I forgot this audio, audio format. format. It's an audio format. <laughs> what is going on? Can somebody can save me and move, move to the next, to the next segment? segment? Okay, sure. Okay, fine. Sorry, that was Gloomy Sunday. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Gloomy Sunday. Gloomy Sunday. It's a, it's a little bit more than that, but uh, Kevin, I know you had a lightning round of amazing children's songs. Uh, yeah, some uh, uh, nursery rhymes. And what is a nursery rhyme but a five to ten second uh, song? Uh, thanks to Metal Floss for the background on most of these. Uh, these are disturbing origins to children's nursery rhymes that uh, you may have kind of overlooked back in the day <laughs> uh starting off with a classic london bridge is falling down okay uh the theory goes that in order to keep london bridge upright its builders believe that it must be built on a foundation of human sacrifice and that those oh, same Jesus. humans mostly children would help to watch over the bridge and maintain its sturdiness holy fuck uh my favorite part was looking up the lyrics to this one and finding out that much like the uh, song This Land is Your Land uh, has like a whole bunch of more verses and stanzas to it. So does London Bridge, apparently. Uh, filled with lines like build it up with iron bars, iron bars, iron bars, build it up with iron bars, my fair lady. Uh, Damn, that Damn, sounds that like sounds that could, like could be also, also like, like... A bad, a bad religion, religion thing. <laughs> <laughs> chorus. <laughs> do it, do it, do it do in it great graph and cadence, cadence now. now. Just do that. Build again. it up with iron bars, iron bars, iron bars. Build it up with oh, yeah. iron bars, my fair lady. <laughs> Comes out in a Wisconsin shirt. Anyways, that was super cool. All right, all right. Okay. Uh, Mary, Mary, quite contrary. This rhyme oh. is a reference to Bloody Mary. The garden refers to growing oh. cemeteries as she filled them with Protestants. Silver bells and cockle shells were instruments of tortures. And the maiden was a device to behead people. Holy shit. Okay, I did not know that. Uh, I didn't actually I didn't actually know that one. I only know the first uh, part where it's like Mary. That Mary, one is Mary contrary. Mary, quite contrary. How does your garden grow? With silver bells and cockle shells and pretty maidens in all a row. Okay, I remember that one now. Uh, Three Blind Mice is supposedly yet another ode to Bloody Mary's reign, with the trio in question believed to be the group of Protestant bishops, Hugh Latimer, Nicholas Radley, and the Archbishop of Canterbury, Thomas Cranmer, who unsuccessfully conspired to overthrow the Queen and were burned at the stake for the heresy. Jesus Christ. Uh, Critics suggest that the blindness in the title refers to the religious beliefs. This is this is scarier than what I was fucking saying. Uh, I mean, it didn't help that you assholes were laughing at me the whole time. Fucking I, I, assholes. You know, sorry. Uh, here we go around the mulberry bush. Uh, if you okay. need a refresher on that one, that's uh, 
This is the way we iron our clothes, iron our clothes, iron oh, yeah, our okay. clothes. This is the way we iron our clothes, so early Tuesday morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that one's, uh, according to historian R.S. Duncan, uh, originated with the 420-year-old institution's female prisoners of England's Wakefield Prison who were exercised around a mulberry tree. Uh, Jesus. The entirety of the nursery rhyme goes over the chores that they would need to do. And if they didn't do the chores, they were beaten. Fuck. So, you know, that's great for kids to be singing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Ring Around the Rosie. Yep, classic, I know classic one. one. I'm sure we all remember this one. Uh, is thought to be believed about the 1665 Great Plague of London. Uh, mm-hmm. The rosy is the rash that covered the afflicted, and the smell from which they attempted to cover it up was the pocket full of posies. Uh, the plague killed nearly 15% of the country's population, which makes the final verse Ashes, ashes, we all fall down. Rather self explanatory. Yes, and very, very fucking terrifying. Jesus Christ. Uh, the problem is, is that the origins, uh, probably not true. Uh, really? Yes, uh, several historians have thought that uh, it has more to do with the religious ban on dancing among many Protestants in the 19th century in Britain as well in North America. Uh, a lot of a uh, lot of Protestant bullshit going on right now. <laughs> uh, adolescents found a way around the dancing ban with what was called in the United States a play party. Uh, play parties consisted of ring games, which differed from square dancing only in their name and the lack of musical accompaniment. Uh, they were hugely popular here in the states, and younger children got on the act too. So that's why it would be ring around the rosy. Okay. That's a lot nicer. Holy shit. Uh, and the last of my lightning round here is uh, Blow the Man Down, which is more of a sea shanty than it is an yeah, yeah. rhyme, but uh, has to do, you would think, you know, Blow the Man Down, it's, you know, just uh, uh, sailors being weathered by a storm. No, it has to do with uh, being blown down Referring to, uh... Jesus Christ. (laughs) Holy shit. Everyone stop for a second. That's still terrifying. I don't give a fuck who you are. What is going on? Did you get that thing, Tony? Just specifically for this part right here? Uh, Tony... Tony's gone. Tony's, Tony's dead. Gone. <laughs> this is terrifying. <laughs> oh my god. Ugh. This is exactly why I know you can't see this, but this is exactly why. Do you want to know the most terrifying thing? It's children singing, like, the drawn out. Jesus fucking Christ. I think Jess killed everybody. I still don't hear Tony. I think he's dead. Uh, he's back. Uh, 
but for blowing the man down, it's not whether that's blowing the man down, it's ship discipline and uh, a specific whipper uh, breaking sailors out on the high seas back in the 18th century. Mm-hmm. Wow. We got, we got that, that stupid, stupid fucking prop, prop for our trick or treat tomorrow, tomorrow. And, as and as soon as you brought that up, it's like, oh shit, plug that in. So That's that so terrifying. Mad scramble to plug that in. Yeah, we heard, and we thought you were dead. I'm glad you said words. Not gonna lie, probably the most terrifying thing that's happened on this podcast yep. so far. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. It Holy was shit. Just fitting. It's thanks to Jessica and her constant need to buy Halloween decorations. Hello, yes, I am here. Thank you, Jess. Jess is Tony's I wife and she's Thank you, Jess, for uh making this podcast a little bit scarier. Thank you. Uh that wow, what a way to end this, really. <laughs> Uh, well, that's the Halloween episode, guys. Yeah, it's yeah, fun. Cool. I'm going to try to go to bed shit. now. Try being the operative word. Yeah, I, I was, was going to say, fail. I'm glad we decided to do this episode at 11.30 at night, and then yes. I have to go to sleep now. Like, uh, this, this this was, was just, just it, 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 it's it's dumb, dumb fun, fun, and that's, and that's why, why, like, I really, I really anybody who's out there just, just listening to this stuff, like, it's just fun to do. So, so just reach just out reach to us. You can always join us too, because, because absolutely, we just we just it's fun. It's fun. Talk it's about music. Music, music, music is, just, is just there's just, just I mean everybody, everybody uh, again, again we, everybody, everybody relates, relates, and there's, and there's just always there's just, always, just, just stories, stories. <laughs> to <laughs> even tell. Like we can do so, say, so I, many of these topics. I really hope that no one related to any of these stories that we had here. Oh, I know, but I mean, like, just you know. I know what you meant. I know what but you meant. But, like, we could do, we could do, like, you know, just, just we could do we these could do theme, theme songs, songs we poop them out about, about anything. Oh, absolutely. Treasure trove. Yeah. There's, why, sure. why there's, like, 50,000 true crime ones. For sure. We could definitely do this music. I already had a couple ready to go for next year, too, so it doesn't matter. But uh, that's it. Kevin, thank you once again for joining us on this program. Yes. Oh, it was a pleasure. And uh, very spooky. God damn it, Kevin. Why do you have to work so late? Now Now I just have, I have to like run to my bedroom, which is like right next to us, but I'm still going to be like, <laughs> it's across the hall from you. Just shut up about it. Just don't turn on the light and then turn off the light in your hallway. You know, you'll be fine. Oh, God damn it, Kevin. I hate you so much. Where it's the chicken Mo- with just speed, like <laughs> speed lines running behind a bush. Yep, that's me. You see the blur. That's going to be me tonight. God Rob damn it. I corner. hate you guys. Amber, Amber. I, I am now, I'm now, after this, I'm going to just run to the bathroom and just watch Packer stuff for like a half hour and then I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> He's going to run in there yelling at Amber because he was just scared. No, no. Remind me Get, get toilet, toilet paper, paper tomorrow. tomorrow. Yeah. No, what's, what's going to be happening? I'm going to yell for Amber, and then she'll be like, what? What's going on? I'm like, uh, Devontae Adams isn't playing on Sunday. God damn it. Uh. Yeah, he's not. Anyways, let's get the fuck out of here before we go into sports. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right. Well, Kevin, once again, thank you for joining us. Love you. Don't once listen to Hungarian suicide music. Thank you. I will not. You neither. Love you too, bud. Uh... So this is it, Halloween episode, not exactly radio, with me, one of your hosts, Benny K, and 
Tony. The Pumpkin Tony. The Pumpkin Tony. We're out of here. Bye-bye. Happy Halloween. Do try not to die. <laughs>